Hey NASCAR Nation, I'm Mamba Smith and welcome to Mark Mamba and the Mayor. On this edition of Triple M, we'll discuss the Roble and its impact on road course racing. AJ Allmendinger and his influence on NASCAR's Xfinity Series. Let's get it started. It's Mark Mamba and the Mayor. All right, gentlemen. That's the ones you gotta watch out for in that rush hour traffic. Those old people that have lost their pay. to another episode of, of Mark Mamba and the Mayor podcast. I got Mark. Mark is in the house, but but Jeff is MIA and you know, it's all good. It's all gravy cuz we're going to carry the show, Mark. Me and you, we're going to put all on right, our backs. I can do it. As long as I got you, we, we can do it. Hey man, we got this thing. Mark, so we're coming out of the Roval and there's something that I thought that was really awesome that happened at the Roval. That's with AJ Allmendinger. He has now won four in a row at the Roval. So every Roval race for Xfinity, he's won it. And I think that's important because he's such a talent and the way that the structure of our industry is now, the cup guys don't race as much in the Xfinity and truck series like back in your day. I think that the new drivers of rookies kind of miss out on that because you learn so much racing with those guys. Kind of well, like that's, that. that's right, mom. But first of all, I'd like to dissect that just a little bit with, with Almondinger. So anytime you take a talent like A.J. Almondinger, whose foundation of racing experience is really on road courses, and then you couple that with, uh, with a reasonable ride in NASCAR, you're going to have that kind of heat. You know, yeah, I think of, of Marcus Ambrose, uh, you know, when I think of, of that, you know, how good Marcus was, you know, even uh, Juan Pablo Montoya as well. So AJ was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I watched him. He got my attention when he won something like five in a row when he got in, in that Indy car, in that cool green car, I think he mates with, uh, with Paul Tracy. And dude, it was just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So he had my my eyes before he got into NASCAR. And then, you know, he got in with that new team. That's tough when you start with a new team. And I was watching AJ and man, I was a huge fan of the level of talent that he had. You know, he he had struggled, but hey, that's okay. Almost everybody. Part of it should have to struggle but you know i mean that's that's a character builder and that makes you a better person and a better driver but he struggled and i hated to see him struggling and he finally got things kind of going and then you know he got suspended he had had to made a mistake and that's that's another lesson Mm -hmm. that we should really pay attention to people need to be able to have a second chance dude you wouldn't know about me if i didn't get a second chance i wasn't suspended but I did fail at my first attempt and had to go away and start all over again. You know, I'm a big supporter of people with second chances. Uh, Kyle Larson is another another example of that. Yep. You know, here yes, there sir. are a lot of lessons to be learned there. Uh, AJ is an incredible talent. And now he's one of the, the veterans, you know, in the Xfinity series that these guys can look up to. And when you think about Jeff and myself, 
we were kids when we started in the Bush Series at the time, and we were racing against Iron Men like Jack Ingram and Tommy Ellis yeah. and Sam Ard and you know these guys. I mean, we were scared of those guys. They'd come down there and give you a whooping. I've seen them whoop some other people. I didn't want none of that, you know. But they did things right. They raced right. They raced fair. They had a racing etiquette. And you abided by that. And they mentored in directly and indirectly both to the younger guys. And it's really good to have AJ in there right now because, like you say, Mama, I think it's important for these other guys to have somebody. I have to revert back to this because I love it so much because I'm a, I'm a pretty big uh, Denny Hamlin fan. And when Denny first came on, on, mm-hmm. on the scene, cup scene, he was so fast it was unbelievable. It was wild, it was wild. but yeah. he hung on my right rear a couple couple races. You know, I squeezed him off, and he got all jacked up about it, and I and I was mad. I was like, "Dude, I'm passing you. I've caught you, ran you down, and I'm passing you, and you hang on my right rear. It slows us both down for nothing. You know, you, you're just prolonging the in- inevitable." It's about three years later, I see him school another young one. You know, three or four years later, he he gets into it, has a strap with another young one, a new one coming up, and he's learned all the lessons. And now Mm -hmm. he's like, you don't do that. You know, you need these guys for these younger guys and the new guys to come in. They have to learn some lessons from the veterans who have a lot of respect and have earned that respect. Yeah, no, I think too, Mark. So we look at Cole Custer, you look at Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick. So when when they were the big three, when those guys were racing and they were winning all these races, I mean, it was them and they did a great job and they're all great race car drivers. But when they made that step up, <laughs> oh, hold on now, hold on now. It's it's getting it's serious up here now. You better you better pack a lunch because it's gonna take a couple of years. And I was talking to somebody about this, and I think this is why part of the reason why that jump is is so different now. So you don't have the guys racing with them. And when they go from Xfinity to Cup, I think the only guy that, that was able to do it and kind of ease into it was Blaney because he was driving the 21. First off, the expectation was pretty low. They were just building and doing better and doing better. And then they won at Pocono. And this, the story is history. But you look at Chase Elliott, even, even Larson was fast, but he didn't get it going at the very beginning. You know, you got Custer and Bell and Eric Jones and Bubba Wallace and all these guys and even the guys that were in good cars, they didn't win off the rip. It takes a couple of years. And I think without having those old dogs that have been cornerstone in the Xfinity series. Yeah, it really has. And and another thing that helps those young guys, if they can beat, you know, A.J. Allmendinger, if they can beat a Kevin Harvick or one of these guys, you know, back in the day, for me, you know, if I could beat, Earnhardt, you know, in 1987, when I came in, mm-hmm. if I could beat Earnhardt or if I could beat uh, Bobby Allison or one of those guys that were stepping down, that was that that made me a lot more likely to go up on a cup radar screen of owners like Bud Moore's or or yep. Jack Roush's yep. or something than it than it did when I when I beat the regulars. It was big. It was big enough to beat Tommy Houston and Ingram and Sam Hart and all those guys. But look, when you beat Earnhardt, Bobby Allison, or Daryl Waltrip, it was another level. And so that's that's a good thing to have. That's not all bad. I like the way it is now, but it's almost too thin. Almost too thin. It's almost. really thin yeah. right now. It's real close. Xfinity's really close. Truck is a little better. You got Johnny Sauters in there. You got Grand Finger who's been up and down and done a lot. Uh, Matt Crafton, obviously. And Kyle still runs a lot of truck races. But you're right. I feel like it's almost like we need a little bit mm-hmm. more back in there. 
So AJ wanted to make sure I gave him as well, especially on, on this podcast, because what you and Jeff have done in the Xfinity series over your careers, it matters. I remember the Randy LaJoy's and the Jason Kellers, you know, your Ron Hornet J Juniors, and those guys stayed in those series. And that was okay because they're going to the Hall of Fame either way. You can be a Hall of Famer doing that. And uh, I've talked to a couple of those guys. Like, I feel like Brandon Jones, Justin Allgaier, they've been there uh, at that level. And Obviously, if you get the chance to go cup racing at a high level, you want to do it. But I think they're also comfortable with where they're at. Yeah, you know, when I moved, when, when I failed in, in 1982 and 83 and got fired after seven races in uh, what I thought would be a decent ride in 83 and, and scrapped along for the rest of the year. And so for 84, I had to go back and start all over again. And boy, I was hurt. I mean, and I it's, I had a thorn in my tough, side, man. and I was actually pissed. I didn't expect to ever go back to NASCAR racing. I went back to late model racing to start from the bottom, not with the champion, you know, and the champion equipment and the champion deals, but at the bottom again, which really made me mad and was really hard for me. But I had no intention of coming back NASCAR racing. I went back and I started back my late model program. I never planned to go back NASCAR racing. I planned to go back and race late models for a living for the rest of my career. And, yeah. you know, that was because I was mad and probably not thinking it through. And I was also focusing on trying to build back a championship, you know, organization from scratch, which was extremely difficult back then, just as it is now. I didn't plan on coming yep. back. And the opportunity to go bush racing for 1987 after winning the ASA championship again in 86 came. And my thought was never crossed my mind to be a cup driver. I just thought, I can go race the Bush Series and do a little bit better for my family because I was, you know, married and had four little girls, and I can be a Bush driver for the rest of my career. Dude, things happened. About the fifth race, fifth or sixth race was Dover, and we won Dover, and two weeks later, you know, we won Orange County, and the phone started ringing. That wasn't my plan. You know, I mean, it was my plan to try to win races, but it wasn't my plan to take a cup deal. It was just at the time, it looked like it would be better for my career, for my family, if I would take move south and take that. I would have had no problem with staying right there where I was at, had I not had the proper opportunity to move up. So there's no shame. In fact, if you're going to race a truck series or an Xfinity series as a driver for a living, that's better than anything else that I could, you know, stock car racing you can do. I mean, you you're not going to make a reasonable living at late models anymore. Back when I did it, it was a little bit easier because you got all free stuff. I was able to make a living mm. off the purse money because we didn't have to buy hardly anything right. at the time. Manufacturers were, were feeding you stuff, and it just wasn't as expensive back then. You didn't have tractor trailers. You had open trailers and cute vans and, you know, one or two full-time employees and and that kind of thing, and one or two race cars, and, and you could do it. You can't do it anymore. Dude, you go out here to a local dirt track, and you're allowed to see half a dozen tractor trailers. It's crazy. <laughs> I saw you posted the winnings the other week, the leaderboard winnings of some of those dirt guys. Now, they're doing they're they're doing a pretty good job. Like, shout out to those guys. They got, on that side of local racing, they got to figure it out. And I saw Landon Huffman respond to you. He was like, oh my gosh, this makes me sick, because Landon just won the Hickory Championship, you know, with his late model. Shout out to my buddy. You know, it's not nothing near close to that, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably what street stock racing was. Well, there, you know, th that's hopefully going to change a little bit. Barry Braun that has really yes, been instrumental in making the dirt racing purses go up. That's a whole different story talking about the late model stuff, but they need a complete yeah. and total revamp. 
of the rules, of the procedures, how things are done, needs to be a lot more like those dirt guys do. I mean, those guys, I'm not, I don't want to talk about yep. it too much, but they show up for a hundred thousand to win race or a 50,000 to win race and they get three laps of practice. That's it. You know, and I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to, and shout out to Advanced Auto. They're investing into the NASCAR weekly series, and that's going to be big. Their investment already into the diversity program. Um, and then, you know, you got Cars Tour here in the Southeast area doing a good job with their purses. So we got some, we got some good things going on. Hopefully they get that straightened out and we can get some, get some money back in our, in our little guys' pockets so they can go racing some more. Do you ever get frustrated that you can't watch certain live sport events because they aren't televised or available in your country? With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country that is showing every NASCAR event you want to watch so you don't miss out and you can watch the action live. It's the price of a cup of coffee every month, a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to a vast amount of entertaining content from all over the world. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash NASCAR to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four free months. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Mark, obviously you never raced the Roval. I know that you've been watching it. From your seat, what do you think about it Like as far as how challenging of a place that is and what makes it a different kind of road course than what we normally have like Watkins Glen or Sonoma. Well, there's a lot to unpack right there too. (laughs) You know, from my seat, the Robo seems to be putting on a, a decent show, you know, especially when you consider that we're seeing a little bit less of exciting shows with the short track and the and the road courses presently. You know, the fans demanded that we do something different a few years ago, which to me was an overreaction. I thought that mile and a half racing was, was still great, but the fans wanted more. And so at the time, the cars raced really incredible on short tracks and on road courses. You know, and now with this car change, we've seen it swing back a little bit the other way. So I just think that we should be mm-hmm. careful about overreacting to fans who just look at today, one race, because you can have a race. Yeah at any particular racetrack, just to say the goal, and it could be a yawner. And then you could line them all up the next day, and it could be all the same cars, drivers, and everything. It could be the most insane, crazy race that you've ever seen. And I've always said that. You know, people seem to blow their top when you have a race that someone, let's say, dominates. When Martin Truex uh, led all those races on the oval back there at Charlotte a few years ago, I was in awe of the domination. I appreciated what they did, and I took that in. I wouldn't want every race to be like that, but I was good with it because I like to see a beatdown like that. You know, I, I, I was just looking at some stats. Oh, gosh, from 1993, I think Ernie Irvin led all, but I don't know, five or ten laps of a 500-miler at Charlotte. Dude, uh, that's okay. You know, I mean, that's dominance. That was racing against Dale Earnhardt, the great Dale Earnhardt. And it's okay. We just need to appreciate what we have now, not blow a gasket. With that being said, I think it's probably extremely difficult to race on the Roval. I think as a racer, I would 
hate going there and driving and racing on it. I feel like it's a lot of slow, tight, sharp corners. You know, there's something to be said about the super speedway of road course racing, which is Watkins Glen. With high-speed racing, then, you know, Sonoma brings another element into it. A little bit narrower, you know, with some high-speed stuff going on, but, you know, some slow speed as well. And, you know, you get some great racing there as, as well. But, dude, I, I think the Roval from, from my seat, it looks like good racing to me. I just I think that you need to have some high-speed corners. It would be cool if there were some more high-speed corners, but based on the, you know, amount of space that they have there, they have what they have. And I've, I've seen nothing but good racing. I thought the race, had, you know, this last race was good there. Uh, you never know when you're going to have rain and things go crazy. Well, I've seen a lot of great racing there. I see a future in it. I also wouldn't mind seeing a 500 come back on the Oval, especially right now with the cars racing so good on intermediate tracks. Yeah, when they first announced that we were doing it and you saw the layout, I, I think the first one didn't have the chicane in the backstretch how are we gonna go from a hundred and because you'll get up to 180 miles an hour by the time you come to the front stretch going from you know oval turn one to oval turn four basically before that next turn i'm like how in the world are we gonna slow these yeah. things down in time <laughs> to get the first yeah i think that chicane on the backstretch is uh is a must and you know it, it it creates all kinds of mayhem you know and it's it's a challenge to negotiate so i, I you know i think you've got to have it you can't run those cars around there all the way from turn one wide open all the way around to you know, past no. the start-finish line and not break them down or right before the start-finish line. Yeah, I got it. Speaking of that chicane, I got to I gotta tip my cap to Chase Briscoe. His Superman cape flew out, Mark. I, I'm telling you, I don't know how he stopped. And, and Parker Klingerman laid down the telemetry of, of how he drove in there that last time. I have no idea how he made the course. We're seeing these young guys... You know, we're seeing something different, and you know that was a that was a ascendant moment. You know, uh, along with Cole Custer, and I, you know, I, believe me, I absolutely have no idea that wasn't the best optics on what ha happened there. But then we don't know what was going on inside that race car. If he was unsure about what he had for that corner, then he was absolutely a must break early for you know if he was unsure if he might have had a tire problem or something like that. All the stars lined up perfectly because when Cole hit the brake, the car behind him, if he would have had time to whip out, then then that move right. was just going to be a major wreck, you know, that, that, that Chase did. So, yeah, I, it was kind of cool to see Chase in, a, in, in kind of a desperate moment what he would do. Uh, well, uh, as well as, as Austin Sendrick, it's a different time and a different ethics code. And there's a reason for that different ethics code. I embrace it all. I like seeing all of it. This season, 2022, for, from my standpoint, has been by far the best racing, the best, most fun, entertaining season since, uh, well, starting with 2014. It's been fun, man. It has been fun. That was a wild move. And we talked about it on Twitter a little bit as it was happening. I know his arms must be dragging and he must have left them at the racetrack. But Daniel Suarez running a car without power steering yeah. is tough. I know you've done it, Mark. Running a car without power steering on a road course has to be about near impossible. And now it's a rack and pinion. So it's a whole nother situation. And he fought. Yeah. He fought 
and only went down. I think he only went down like five laps. He kept them in the game. And then the melee started happening at the end of the race. He almost willed that thing into the next round. And I got it. My man. I hope you listen to this. That was a hell of a performance. That was a Hercules effort. Fans don't understand the difference between the cars in the 80s that lost power steering or even in the 90s that lost power steering to in the 20 teens when they started running massive amounts of caster uh, and faster steering boxes to now this rack thing is impossible. I mean, when you when you tweeted me that, I was like, it's virtually impossible to have any pace like that. He's not going to have any pace. You can't do it because you can't turn it. I mean, you just can't. I mean, they got no, I don't even know what caster they got, but I know they got a lot in them now. And that rack is really quick and you have to have power assist to be able to turn the car. It, it made a fan out of many people. That effort and his heart and the things uh, Daniel is just, he's really good for the sport. Uh, he is a great personality. Yeah, I was disappointed for him, but you're going to have that in the big time auto racing. Uh, you think that we're That's having right. mechanical issues in 2022. Uh, he should have been around in the, in the 80s and 90s. I mean, it was nothing to blow up motors. We blew up motors. Everybody blew up motors. You know, I, I, I look back at the Charlotte race and gosh, I don't know what it was, 92 or one year, you know, when we led 198 laps of the first 212 laps and then and, and blew up. And then Earnhardt led 50 some odd laps, blew up. I mean, it was like it wasn't uncommon to blow motors or to break something else. You know, there have been weaknesses in these race cars since day one because you push them and and you have new stuff and nuances and new parts and you push but the reason you have new parts is your progress you're making progress they're lighter parts or they work it you know whatever it is and with this new car we've seen you know some weaknesses that will get worked out and then they'll probably you know be a lot more bulletproof but the cars are still a lot more reliable than they were you know, in the early 90s or back in the 80s. I, I just think everyone's done a really good job, uh, the crews, because it's all new. The whole thing has been a challenge. And the parody that we have now is fantastic. And we're almost spoiled at this point because nothing really breaks. Like, it up until, like, this year, you just, you just didn't see stuff break. I remember engines just blow all the time and mechanical failures here or there, you know, track bars breaking and, we don't see that very much now you do and people i think people are a little taken back from it and they think it's oh you know this car is bad or yeah. no it's not it's not it's not the car it's the evolution of, of our sport. and i want to expand just a little bit you you know you, you say new car i want our i want our listeners to stop for just a second and think about this that's not like a new car even like from 81 80 80 81 when they downsized the cars that was a big change it was but it was still the same front snout rear snout truck arms it was just a different body and a shorter wheelbase and a narrower car it was still mechanically very similar dude this car is like going to imsa it looks like a sports car road race car when i look underneath the hood of that it looks like nothing that I've ever been around, and I've been around everything. I've been around late models. I've got you know 24 hours of Daytona, all kinds of stuff, Trans Am, all that stuff. And this car is completely different. 
Mark, when I when I um, went to Daytona and finally walked up, and I think it was a Corey LaJoy's stall, and they had the hood up, and I'm looking in there, and they're like, "What are you looking at?" And I'm like, "Man, I don't know. Like, like I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know where the first part of right. how I would work on this thing is. Like, I don't even know how to get into the wheel well because, like, I don't. It blew my mind. I'm like, "Yeah, look, y'all." <laughs> Just throw everything you know out the window. Go out yeah. there. Yeah, no, it, 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 is, it is radically different. And, you know, so not, not only is a lot of the hardware getting, you know, having to be uh, adapted for stock car racing and what, you know, what we're doing in NASCAR racing, uh, but it's just, it's just an evolution. And, and there will be, you know, there will be gains made all through the rest of the year and going into next year. And like you said, the car, the parts will become robust and we'll see no failures again, nearly if we don't hit something or whatever, but we're not having a large amount in my, in my world, there's not a large amount of, of parts failures. It's just some nagging issues that still yet have to be worked out. Some of the best mechanically inclined people, are in these garages and I promise you fans, they will figure it out because they always do. And then once they know what they can do, they'll push it a little bit <laughs> further and we'll start. <laughs> that's just, that's what racers do, man. That's what we do. I think Mark, there's something that you hit on a little bit ago that I want to come back to is you were talking about the racing, like you can line them up and you can have a fantastic race and line them up again. And maybe the race isn't that great. And line them up again, it's a whole different race. And I think we saw that between Texas and Talladega. You thought Talladega was going to be this wild, wild race. It was pretty tame for Talladega standards. Texas, that was wild. And it was super fun to watch. And everyone's like, well, this, is, this isn't the Texas that we've known. I, I think there's one thing that the fans don't understand. And I try to explain this all the time on socials. It's like, it doesn't matter what the point system is. It doesn't matter what any of it is. They're, wh whatever the drivers want to do. That's what is going to happen. If they want to give each other more breaks, they won't run into each other as much. If they want to run tighter to each other, then we're going to see more accidents. It's all up to them. So when people are like, oh, this system forces this. Like, I don't really go. I'm like a little bit like it entices some of this, but it's still up to the drivers. That's true. The one thing is, though, is... You know, when you have an opportunity to go now, back in the day, you would weigh it out. Is it worth taking a chance? The thing about the racing now, and it has been not just with this car, but the last several years, if you get a run, you take it. Even if you think it's a marginal run, you know, or there might, uh, the room, you know, you might run out of room. Right now you got room, but back in the day, you would calculate that out, risk versus reward. Now you just got to throw that out the window. If you have a run, you have to take it. And if it costs you 10 spots, you had to take it. Because if you don't take it, dude, you're going to be scrutinized by everybody, by the commentators, by the fans, but most importantly, by your team. You got to take those runs even when it costs you. Because if you don't, you're not going to go anywhere. Did we want more exciting racing? That's what we all said we wanted. That's what the fans said they wanted. So it's evolved to this where we are today. I'm all for it. I've always had this mentality when I race, like when I was doing it on the weekend and week out basis, which is I got to do whatever I got to do for my guys. Like, I don't want to go get out of the car and look at them and feel like I left something out there. How did you gauge that? You know what I mean? You know how hard your, your group is working, but you raced with a lot of respect and you got that back. Like, how did you manage that part of it? 
I never really walked away from a situation and felt like I should have done more because I was like razor thin. And I can just think about two different uh, races in, in 2009. We won five races in 2009, but we really had Bristol in the bag uh, as well. The caution came out. Kyle was behind us. You know, we all we pitted, and he and, and Newman stayed out like he always like he always did on tires. And he lined up in front of me, and he detained me. There was nothing I could do about it. And Kyle got in front of me, and I was faster than Kyle. It, I wish Kyle would have tried to pinch me off because if he would have tried to pinch me off, I probably would have roughed him up. But Kyle wouldn't do that. He left me room. And I ran beside him, and I ran beside him, and I got behind him, and I ran beside him, and I took runs, and I couldn't do it clean. And if he would have pinched me, then I probably would have won the race, or we both would have wrecked, because I, I never was any good at bump and run. I never, this is not over dramatization. I really figured if I ever intentionally put a fender on anybody, they would probably crash and perish in the crash. And I, I mean, I was so. I mean, mm. I'm just, that's my luck. That but was, what that, that was, yeah, that was your mentality. Is that I do was not my, want to hurt yeah, that was my luck. And this. so anyway, so there's, there's a race. But I walked away from there feeling like I gave my team everything. I, had. I mean, dude, I was so close to wrecking so much. It was unbelievable. And then the same thing. We had the Brickyard one and the caution comes out. Dang, double mm -hmm. file restarts. I hated them. You put Jimmy Johnson on my outside, <laughs> and I got me a good start, but the side draft still worked a little bit, even coming up through the gears going into one, and he pulled, he was able to slow me down and pull back right, you know, hold me there. And we go in there, and I mean, you know, I think about, well, if I'd have just turned right just a little bit right before I turned into the corner and pushed him up a little bit, but you know what would have happened? When, yeah. I, when I did turn into the corner, I'd have spun out and wrecked us both. And I, I went in so right. I went in yeah. so hard the on the inside of him anyway that it stepped out and I almost wrecked us both. And I mean, I look back on it and it's like there's nothing really that I could do. I try, and then I got so many runs on him down the back stretch. But I just could you you know, you can't pass cars that are real equal, you know, especially at that time, 2009. I would get a run and get, but I just couldn't get inside him, mm -hmm. you know. When I walked away from that, I didn't feel bad. Now, if I hadn't won a race all year, I probably might have second-guessed myself. But I felt like I was... I was doing the job, right? And right. and so I felt good about that. So I never really had to carry that guilt feeling about not taking an opportunity when I had it, because up until I quit racing it was the last race of 2013. That deal about taking those runs, you still waited out. If you had an opportunity at a run, you still waited out. Was it worth losing positions? to try to take this position because I don't know that I can get it. But today, man, yep. it's like you're better off to take that run for, for your career. <laughs> if you look at it and say 70% chance I lose spots on this, well, the 30% chance of not losing a spot and staying in your spot, you know, your, your chances of getting fired down the road are, are higher. You just, you've got to go. And, and the fans are the benefactors of that. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen it all year and we've seen it on up and down like if you got a shot at it you gotta go off and get it but one person that reminds me of and i watch it now after talking with you and you and jeff so much 
and how you guys raise people. Like I watch for it. I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what this guy's going to do. Like, how bad do you want this win? Right. And it reminds me of Bristol in the Xfinity race. Brandon Jones has had a, he's been fast all year, but has just had some bad luck and some things it's fault. Some things not early in the race. Noah Gregson gets in the 54 wipes out the 54 and the two. And we're at the end of the race and Brandon Jones could have laid the bumper to him 18 times at the end of the race. And no one would have thought any different of it. Right. Cause you know, no, no races hard. So you expect people to race. Him. And he didn't, he kept working him and working him and he didn't win the race, but I felt like he earned a lot, a lot of respect from a lot of racers that night. There's a couple things about that. Number one is he gained fans because he put on a show and he mm-hmm. you know gained respect from from some fans because because of that as well and he also gained Noah's respect and the other side of that is if you look back at the old races and people still love the old races a lot of the things that go on the racetrack today would would be viewed as unsportsmanlike the racing was good yeah. and people loved it back then but they didn't run all over each other now I'm gonna tell you right now I like a little bit of that running all over each other I'm a fan you know I'm a fan I'm not a, a racer and I you know I, I wouldn't want to have to live under those rules and etiquette I I wouldn't I like what I did, I liked my era of racing, and the fans still love that clean, hard racing. You just saw, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see so much of it with Earnhardt. And if people think Earnhardt was always real, man, Earnhardt raced a lot more hard, clean, and giving room than he did ever putting the bumper on to somebody. You know, he did put the bumper maybe on more than, than anybody else during that era. But, dude, he spent 90% of his time racing hard and clean and fair. It was a different time, day and age. And that racing is good, too. So I, w- I watched Brandon, and I, was, I, thought that was all, I, I thought that was cool. And I think that Noah, I would hope that Noah would keep that in mind when it comes down to uh, a mm-hmm. position, especially if it was, a, was for a win where Noah would race with, with ultimate respect. And so hard, you know, I mean, race so hard, you're just about to die. I mean, just about to, just about to die. But keep the ethics, uh, you know, square. Remember how, how it was done to him. And that's how I always wanted to race. I, I raced people the way I wanted to be raced. And 99.9% of the time, I got raced that back the same way. You know, the one, that 1%, that one man, when it didn't go my way, uh, there was hell to pay. I mean, I was I was mad, but it was extremely rare. I very very seldom ever had had that happen. I did once in a while, and and I did have to address it. But most of the time, we were able to you know to keep it straight. I can't remember a time, and I know that happened obviously because that's how life and sports work. But I can't remember a time, Mark, where you got out of the car and didn't have a smile on your face just doing it and that's obviously why you came at well partial retirement came out of partial wet you know what i mean that's why you kept coming back to it driving race cars how much did you love it how much do you love it like i feel like it's very easy to fall victim to the business part and like the bottom lines and you gotta be great and you gotta win and you gotta do this and you gotta do that but the purity of it just how much did you love just pure driving? Not that much. 
Not, 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 yeah, not as much as, really? uh, as, as you think. And that's why I don't still drive race cars today because listen, uh, red farmers right at 90 years old and still racing his dirt car out Talladega short track. And I am happy for him. That's the coolest thing on earth because he wants to, and that keeps him young. For me, when I was in grade school, everybody seemed to be equal. When I got into middle school, sports started and I, my friends, I was left out. I wasn't any good, and I wasn't any good at anything, and I became more odd all, all the way through it. So when I started driving a race car, that was something that I was good at, and that I quickly was able to, at 15 years old, outrun the adults, the guys in their 30s or you know, 40s or whatever. And so that became my passion, not driving, not the joy of driving, but winning. Winning was, for me, winning championships was the foundation to move me to the next level. So I focused on track championships. And then that, you know, propelled me to ASA national championships. And so the ASA national championships. But then when I got to NASCAR and I had the crucial, the brutal deal in 1990 and that setback, that was just my third year. And we were third, third my second year, mm -hmm. second my third year. So it's going to come. As it didn't come and I started to see the glue that held together a winning team, Hell Valvoline or top sponsor, top people working on your cars, the glue was winning. It wasn't championships. And so I started really focusing on winning races again. That was the only time that I was really, really, truly happy and having fun. If we won, it's absolutely euphoric. They don't make a drug like that, Mambo. I mean, they just don't, but that I, it's so funny you just said that because I was watching Colin Coward and his show this this earlier today, and he had Sean Payton on there. Sean Payton's one of the great NFL coaches for the Saints, and now he's at Fox. He asked Colin, Colin asked him, "Do you miss it? You know, you like what you do here, but do you miss being on the field?" He's like, "I do, but he's like I, the camaraderie with this team. Oh, we got that, you know, but I miss winning." He it's said it's euphoric. Winning is, and he said it's a, it's something that you cannot, you can't replace. Real quick, when you came back and you went to Hendrick, you had that a lot over there. That's probably where I'm thinking yeah. it the most with that smile on your face, because every time you got out of that five. Yeah, and every, but every time you stepped out of it, if you looked up to that lighted scoreboard, the five was either first, second, or third. I mean, it was at the top of the board. Almost every, almost every practice there was, the five was at the top of the board. You know, we were, we, it was just so fast and it was so much fun. And it's just, you just feel like, you know, it's just like there's nothing like it. And yeah, I was having the, the time of my life, but I also knew that it wouldn't last. You know, when I did step out of the car, I really didn't have, I had other opportunities to drive. It wasn't like my opportunities had dried up. And I've had lots of opportunities right. to drive all different kinds of race cars or just go test or practice or something. Like driving a car fast around a racetrack doesn't do anything for me, you know, unless I beat somebody, somebody really good. Like right. I've got guys up here all the time and Travis Sharp's got late models and he always wants me to get in his late model. And it's like, the only reason I want to get in the late model is to go faster than your drivers. And that's not, that's not productive. <laughs> that's pressure, dude. And I equate prepping yeah. into a race car with pressure, with pushing myself. The reason I was as good as I was is because I studied it more. 
I thought about it more. I knew more about the tires, the track, the cars, the setups, the aero, all that stuff than anybody around me. And I don't want to do that anymore. I love my life and I love, you know, no pressure and, and having another chapter. So for me, it was really easy to walk away. And it's easy for me to be a fan now because I still love the sport with all my heart. I just don't want to be the guy that climbs in that thing and carries all the pressure that I put on myself. Yeah, Kobe Bryant has a great quote. It's, can you be the same animal, but a different beast? And Mark Martin, you, I feel like you feel that to the T, my brother. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I know you're going out to Vegas this weekend. Enjoy that. Enjoy that ceremony. You deserve all the roses. Man, I'm excited for you so you can be back with that that old JR51 car that you had so much success with. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I can't wait to see everybody at the racetrack this weekend. All right, guys. This has been another great episode of Mark Mamba and the Mayor. Minus the Mayor, but it's okay because me and Mark Martin, we got to hold it down for you. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the next one.